Hello, and welcome to Wayward Witch, a pagan podcast. My name is Miranda, and I'll be guiding you along this journey to explore non-denominational witchcraft for the modern practitioner every Wednesday. You can find us on your preferred podcast provider, or by following the links on Twitter at WayWitchCast, or on Facebook and Instagram at WayWitchPodcast. Feel free to reach out for questions, concerns, or even just a chit-chat, as I do love to hear from all of you. Let's walk this path together. Today's episode was supposed to be on protective magic, and trust me, we'll get there. But there's been a repeat request in my DMs for a rundown on astrology, since some of you are so used to me attacking you based on your charts and through the app CoStar and personal conversations. I'm going to approach this with the assumption that all of you are familiar with your sun sign, which is the one related to your birth date. For instance, I was born on March 12th, so that would make me a Pisces sun. Please hold your shade. (laughs) My youngest sibling was born on November 10th, so they would be a Scorpio. So on and so forth. If you don't know yours, go ahead and do a quick Google search and dig a little deeper. Get to know the attributes of your sun sign and then get your chart made. You can get a personalized chart for free using CoStar, again, or by using the search terms free natal chart in whatever engine you use. I personally prefer the one by Cafe Astrology. Fair warning, this episode may contain a large amount of information and will sound like a lot of droning on. So kick back in your bed and fall asleep. I know some of you do. I ain't mad. I'm actually wicked flattered. Self-care, I guess. There's also, I want to add in here, there's also a cuss word in here. So if you have sensitive ears, um, try to block that out. While our sun signs represent our essential self, our moon signs represent our deeper emotional selves. Aries moons are driven doers with a bit of a a fiery spice. They can come off as fickle, flaky, and impulsive. These natives hate people who complain without taking action to remedy the problem at hand, or finding out people are attempting to manipulate them. Which, might I add, is virtually impossible. Don't try to manipulate Aries moons. It's really bad. Taurus moons can come off as shallow due to their affection being beauty-driven. They're highly protective of those they care for, and in love, they crave stability in the cozy home life. Their optimism gives them the appearance of being emotionally immature, but that's not true, as they understand their emotions deeply, but choose to ignore the negative ones. Although the most patient of all the moon signs, they do have their limit, and once that limit is met or exceeded, they can immediately switch to rage and go straight for the jugular. Gemini moons are playful, curious, and a bit moody. They're really awkward in emotional situations, not because they don't care, but because they tend to not understand their own emotions that much. When they do understand them, they express them in very strange ways which gives them the appearance of being emotionally unstable. They're not. They're just weird. Cancer moons are known to be super needy, clingy, and attention-seeking because they have this innate need to always be loved, and not just romantically. They place the home and family as number one priority at all costs. Cancer moons are pretty famous for being super emotionally sensitive, 
But this is their secret superpower, because once they get control of their sensitivity and use it productively, they can be wonderful creators of anything they set their minds to. Leo moons feel their emotions very intensely and express them in very dramatic ways. I often make jokes that Leo moons are the people you see arguing in the parking lot of Walmart during the holiday season when they know they have an audience. They value emotional honesty and practicality in those around them and absolutely loathe it when people don't take them or their emotions seriously, regardless of how outlandish and irrational they can seem. The strangest part of it all is that Leo moons don't intend to be emotionally dramatic. It's just that their emotions feel dramatic and intense to them. So there's no real filter there. To help with that, pick a creative physical activity like dancing or martial arts to channel those emotions in a more positive way. Virgo moons are eager to help at all times, but in a group effort, they can be a bit blunt and analytical of everything you do, which gives them a demeanor of being condescending. Like Gemini moons, they can come across as uncaring when handling others' emotions because they have the tendency to nitpick emotions in a very detached manner while forgetting that others aren't able to separate themselves from rationality and emotions. Breathe, dear Virgo, and think before you say something during these times. Libra moons, like Taurus moons, can seem a bit shallow because of their obsession with beauty. After all, these signs are ruled, but are both ruled by Venus. They're very flirtatious and intellectual, so if a Libra moon is debating philosophical concepts with you, they're probably flirting. Go with it, but bring your A-game. While they love a good debate, the moment it becomes an argument, they dip out, because Libras hate nothing more than conflict and confrontation. Drama that involves Libra moons may cause them to resort to lying and denying their own truth in order to, to escape the issue at hand. But be brave, scaly baby. And be true. Sometimes a little conflict is essential for growth. I do want to add something here after I have written it down. Um, while Libra moons are very anti-confrontation and don't like any drama that involves them, they are more than happy to sit on the sidelines <laughs> if it's drama that doesn't directly affect their own personal life. Um, they love drama, just not personal drama. Scorpio moons are not only intensely emotional, but are every emotion all the time at a drop of the hat. The sister, the sibling that I had mentioned beforehand, the Scorpio son, is also a Scorpio moon. She is a 13-year-old girl, and I hate everything. <laughs> this sign is considered the most intense lunar placement, so thoughts and prayers if this is you. Like the other water signs, these natives have the wonderful ability of using their emotional wishy-washiness as a means to fuel their creativity in truly genius ways. This placement is known to be prone to arrogance, paranoia, power trips, and being secretive, which only worsens their habit of being emotionally explosive due to holding things in all the time. To help this, Focus on trusting others as much as you try to convince them to trust you, so that you can be vulnerable enough to not carry your own burden all the time. 
you might find most of the burdens you were never yours to bear to begin with. Sagittarius moons love travel, romance, and are all soul. They believe actions speak far louder than words and can spot a bullshitter from a mile away because they tend to be the best ones. While emotionally sensitive themselves, they can be a bit rude and brutal without intending to with others due to their fiery nature. While Sagittarius moons are really big in romance, they're not into commitment. So look, but don't touch. If you're lucky enough to get one into a relationship, be careful not to be too jealous, or else they'll get into the car and go with no warning, because nothing is more important to them than their sense of freedom. Capricorn moons are firm, conservative, and no, I don't mean in the political sense exclusively, and work towards cutting out their negative emotions, since they see them as a hindrance to achieving their goals. They're known to be super reliable, but not necessarily emotionally, because they have the tendency to project their own sense of emotional stability on others and just reply with, suck it up. They're hardworking and get a bit of tunnel vision when it comes to the end game they set out for themselves, which makes them a bit rigid when it comes to making a change in the grand plan they've had mapped out since they were like four years old. Take a moment to stop and smell the roses, fish goat. Don't lose yourself to the rat race. Aquarius moons are innovative, wise, and can seem emotionally aloof at times. They tend to like their alone time and have the tendency to be a bit eccentric, which is a trait they really like to nurture in those around them. They have the tendency to psychoanalyze not only the people around them, but themselves as well, which makes them come off as a little cold to those who share their emotional side with them. These natives, when left unchecked in their intellectualism, can have somewhat of a god complex and a touch of narcissism, but when they use their strengths positively, they can bring people together to push everyone to change the world for the better. Fun fact, I'm a lunar Aquarius. Pisces moons are deeply emotional and imaginative, as well as natural empaths with sensitivities to others' trials and tribulations. Lunar Pisces care so much for the world around them that oftentimes they can be bogged down with everyone's as with being everyone's personal punching bag. Due to their ruling planet being Neptune, the planet of confusion, illusion, and paranoia, these natives tend to be need to be careful with their gullible senses of self, as they do tend to be easily manipulated or led astray. I'm sure by now you notice that the traits of each sign remain the same throughout the placements, and that the only real changing thing is that is what the planet they're placed in represents. Therefore, I'm going to breeze through the meaning of each planet's ruling. You can just kind of transpose the attributes to fit the planet itself. For instance, if your Mercury is in Aries, you can assume that their way of communication can be straightforward, passionate, and a bit aggressive. So let's go ahead and breeze through this. Mercury is the planet of communication, so your placement here will determine how you tend to verbally communicate with others. Venus rules over beauty and love, so your placement here will determine how you approach romance and passion. Mars represents action and aggression, so I normally tell people that this is how you fight. Jupiter governs our senses of spirituality and, philo and philosophy, showing us how we should expand upon ourselves. 
Saturn represents our sense of responsibility and how we can overcome struggle in our own lives. Uranus, or Uranus, ha ha, ha 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 ha, rules over innovation, technology, and rebellion, and changes only once every seven years, or at least as CoStar says. It rules over a generation more than a person. The same timing can be said for Neptune, which stays in each sign for 14 years. This planet rules dreams, imagination, and the unconscious, so it shows us a glimpse of what inspires us. Pluto changes once every 30 years and rules over power, obsession, and control. this just touches up on planetary alignments and what they represent, so next week I'll be sure to do an in-depth look at the houses of your natal chart, which is where a lot of you seem confused. I also want to mention that I'm in no way sponsored by the app CoStar, but I know so many of us use it, so it's a good reference point that so many could understand. I have a lot of fun with it, my friends hate it because they feel attacked all the time. It's great! It's now available on both Android and iOS, so go get it guys, it's actually really a riot. I also want to say that I will not be recording the week of March 12th, since I'll be in Pennsylvania that week. If I do happen to record, it'll probably be a Q&A episode with my dear friend Sarah, who has all the best questions in the world, and maybe has some that you all haven't asked yet. So, if you want that to happen, just let me know. We'll probably do a car interview or something to be posted the following week while we drive all over the place. In case you haven't noticed as well, um, I did go ahead and post my Patreon on the Facebook page for Wayward Witch. Um, This will be the only time that I do a super plug for it to kind of explain why it's being posted. Um, So I am currently recording on a, like, I want to say my laptop's about, like, eight years old. Um, it's, it's a grandma. <laughs> and doing this podcast takes a lot of time, a lot of research, a lot of horsepower from, from my old ancient computer. Um, so it, it can be a little bit of a financial struggle, um, especially with the, the impending doom of my wonderful technology house right here. So Any donations that would be made via Patreon would really just go into making this podcast better with the occasional, like, as I put it in the Facebook post, the occasional Dollar Tree candle to go on my altar. Um, I do want to remind everybody that subscribing to my Patreon will not give you an ad-free experience or anything like that. Um, It will grant you access to our Discord server, but... As, as far as content and ads and all of that fun stuff, I've said it from the beginning and I'll continue to say it throughout this, this podcast. As long as I have control over it, I will not do ads. I will not take sponsors. I do not see this as a cash cow. I believe that information should be free. Um, I understand that a lot of people don't carry that that philosophy because a lot of people, you know, like go out and they get degrees and they spend a lot of money getting those degrees. So, you know, the the things that they learned are monetary and value to them. And that's their prerogative. I completely understand it. But as far as me personally and my personal philosophy, you know, I, I spend a lot of time researching and I go through so many articles, so many books, so many different sources. It's, you know, it's days and days and days of research on one topic per week. But 
I didn't spend a lot of money to do this. So I don't, I don't want to charge people for that information and I'm not going to charge you guys for that information. So I don't want you to think that in order to get the best experience out of this podcast, you have to subscribe to my Patreon. It's, it's not that at all. Um, Amanda Palmer, who is the former lead singer of the, the Dressed and Dolls and married to my favorite author, Neil Gaiman, um, and, you know, a solo artist herself, did this great thing on the, the art of asking. Um, and I kind of took that philosophy of myself. So, yeah, I, I understand this is rambling, <laughs> um, but I just want you guys to know in a, in a very long, drawn-out way that, you know, the Patreon is posted. All donations will go to making this experience better for all involved, um, but it is not required. I will be um, plugging my Patreon with every episode, but it'll just be like a simple sentence of, hey, subscribe to my Patreon, and I'll leave it at that. This is going to be the only time I drone on about it. I'm not going to overburden you guys with that stuff. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> that took a lot of wind out of me. Um, so, as always, be kind, be brave, be unstoppable. I'll see you next time.